0: into it because he thought he might have to go back from work he didn't know how much time he could take off from work to look out for me Mm -hmm. and so he did research it and he was like i think he found something that i don't know what the duration was but it was like ten thousand dollars and he's like oh dude we can't afford that (laughs) so (laughs) so he's like all right i just talked to my boss and i got 10 days and 10 days off work and then then we're gonna figure out your stuff and we did, and then I actually moved back home in with them, which was that was my sober living environment because my parents don't really drink. Oh, your parents and, don't party. Uh, they definitely don't. Uh, they have never partied. <laughs> really? Um, I mean, I think my dad in his youth, I shouldn't say that. My dad in his youth before like marriage and family, I, I'm sure he had fun like with his family, brothers, cousins, um, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, that kind of stuff like maybe having some smokes drinking whatever but um but he like yeah i've never seen i suppose i've seen him party at weddings like enjoying dancing and stuff like that but i'm not even sure that he
1: are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts Mutiny Radio. FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat.
2: <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. And it's personal, as the Enigma Brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex's The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
3: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my
4: dogs think I'm funny, Daryl.
3: Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead passers?
6: I was just well, really cool, leaving the theater. I just a Cadillac
7: a convertible 1969
2: gold Cadillac with a white material, and I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. i having a really, really good time. Flat black glasses. looking big
8: spliffs and cruising. Saturday Cadillac. I'm
2: a freeway. I'm
9: and is absolutely right. I am
4: and, and I will cut Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your um uh, from your chief nurse, Major and uh, She makes some accusations, Henry. I I find pretty hard to believe. Uh the dude mom Ma-
2: Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine but never his loyalty until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
10: Hey, nearest Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody.
12: Release on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. The support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year enough for ninety-three point thousand meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org volunteer again ww.sffoodbank.org volunteer to find out how you can help.
2: A series from the, t- the Times dead. where their columnists were laying out the things been for hire wrong about. Yeah, the New York leaders, Times published a whole series of columns. CIA agents, inexplicably, the deceased contract killers, have the DNA of people who are long dead. CIA agent John Clooney devises a dangerous plan to capture a shadow killer alive. Contract a hit on himself. John Wessex, The Shadow Killers is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
6: Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike man Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. My be gone now German Strudels! You should follow me go, on Twitter. It's go, Jokes go, de Carl. My, uh, that's the French duh, d- not the duh duh. D- now let's watch a full-length movie go, my, on YouTube with speak, Michael smile
8: It's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi,
6: Mike. It is you and I once again.
0: Once again on L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T here on Mutiny Radio. We stream first on Mutiny Radio
13: every Sunday 2 p.m. Just type in mutinyradio.fm and there's your info. And you can listen. There's a
0: listen button. There's a donate button. We're L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T on podcasts. Type that into your podcast.
8: And you can follow the video Run. version, which I it's not. Uh, yeah, and that meant the twilight yeah. uh, above
14: you have grown and accepted that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you'd better stop swimming. Critics who prophesy
15: And I don't really feel like they have the right to take more than they already have from us This ain't about that. Or has it really been all along? No, this ain't about that. If you want to focus on right and wrong, shouldn't schools have better sexual education or contraception information for once? Only 24 states require sex ed, so more than half of U.S. teens need a condom. The problem's abortion. Focus on what's going on. It is an abortion. Oh, 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 oh. If you want to focus on right and wrong, oh, this oh. is my body. That should be banned. Maybe men should get vasectomies and get them reversed once they find a woman who'll take their hands. This ain't about that. This is all about what's legally life. What's an issue of law is turning into one of moral strife. Life is an equivalent based on definition. You must account for experience. And remember that a fetus requires another body to give them their sustenance. The courts can't force us. Donate organs or blood of our own This is no exception We can face our repercussions alone This is my body Listen. And... of making any incision, which means they won't be acting on their best medical decision, should they just make an attempt, which is not defined. They face 99 years of prison down the line, and yet let's say they don't perform because they're scared of spending time. Say the patient gets sick and sues the doctor for their crime. This all affects the healthcare system for you and me, facing higher doctors' bills to balance liability. And everybody's terrified and everybody's ill. Meanwhile, thousands could use help just getting themselves on the There are way too many babies and the population's growing We're running out of water and the rate of death is slowing Adoptions are hard, the foster system's saturated But an 11-year-old's birth just because she's impregnated By an uncle, a rando, who held her down and raped her She was too afraid to tell and it didn't show till three months later And now she has the blessing to ruin her life and her physique while to carry on the genes of men who violate the weak I don't think so For every woman who's ever had to get on her knees Stand up.
13: la France. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Labor and Love Radio. This is the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan, bringing you the latest in labor opinion, labor history, labor commentary, five, for, and about working people, concentrating on the movements of working people all over the world. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, where you work. You're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Another day of labor. Hopefully, another day of love. Okay, those uh, that opening was uh, meant to be stirring. The Marcier, the French national anthem, written during the French Revolution, seventeen eighty-nine uh one of the very first times in european history let's say european history because we're not speaking here for the whole world european history when working class people rose up against a king and overthrew the king and the entire monarchical system what followed has been called the Terror as uh, many nobles were taken out and beheaded. Their number is much smaller than those who were murdered, those working people who who were murdered in the uh, Paris Commune, Commune of 1870, but that's only a footnote. It's much more important to a lot of historians that nobles died than thousands, tens of thousands of working people were slaughtered La Marciez. And we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about the French Revolution because July the 14th passed us by now. But it's always something to recognize as the many rose up against the few, La Marseillaise. And before that, Evie Joy, a young woman with a very powerful pro-choice song. restating the basic argument it's my body it's my own body I decide what to do with it well not according to the Supreme Court but there is no way no way we can let this pass without fighting and reasserting the right of women to their own bodies people to their own lives on a very basic level how can you say it's a free country if half the people don't have control of their own bodies going back to the slave times where women were viewed as women of color were viewed as
4: breeders
13: right (laughs) that's it make me some more babies so I can make some more money And before that, Nina Simone, the world's champ, singing Bob Dylan's The Times, They Are A-Changing, and they certainly were changing, and they certainly are now. Time to stand up and fight. Remember, if you don't stand up, they'll say you stood up for sitting down. The last couple of weeks have been imperfect here at mutiny radio and let me put in a plug from mutiny radio 27 81 21st Street a true community music center community art center come on in and find your voice at mutiny radio we've got video we've got art installations we've got radio and we've got comedy Our uh, program director, Miss Pam Benjamin, is the guru of the underground comedy scene, as well as being a comic herself. So come on down. There's open mics. There's, well, you got it. you You want it. You got it in terms of comedy. Come on down and put down some money. Get up on a stage and try out your licks on other people of similar minds. And what they'll do first is they will critique your work in a positive way, telling you what was good about it, and then they'll go back and critique in a positive way what you need to improve or what didn't work for them. A perfect place to get up and talk your talk. Okay, what do we got today on Labor and Love? Well, the All-Star Game last week, the All-Star Game uh, was threatened. Perhaps you didn't notice it if you're a baseball fan or even a casual fan. You probably heard about it, that the workers at Dodger Stadium were poised to go on strike then we look back on a strike that did happen in the 1964 NBA all-star game where players refused to go out and take the floor until some sort of a labor agreement was signed Peggy Seeger singing her nine-month blues history in two minutes and labor notes the Marseillaise, as we promised, the song ends with a line, and may their impure blood, that's the nobles and the soldiers who were fighting on their side to uphold the nobles. And the Marciers said, well, fight until their impure blood runs in the sewers. Excellent, huh? Bastille Day. had Evie Joy, El Chicano, will be singing I Said It's Another Day of Love, one of the most beautiful love songs you'll ever hear. Got a, a feature with John Oliver talking about union busting and the way that companies go about fighting against unionization. It's a dirty trick deal. Okay, labor notes. Our feature labor notes, let's see what's going on. Not labor notes. Little soft piano in the background. Why the fascist right wing is rising around the world. Comments by the Secretary of the Union, European Trade Union Confederation.
5: On Radio Labor.
3: Hello, I'm Mark Bellocci. Around the world, a new, radical, far-right fascist politics is gaining even more influence and power. How this came to be was addressed by the General Secretary of the European Trade Union Confederation, Luca Vicentini, in a recent interview. The interview was conducted by the Labour Radio Podcast Network at the recent convention of the AFL-CIO in the United States, where the neo-fascist right is on the rise.
16: Well, I think the the far right had a sort of genetic transformation in the sense that, as I said at that time, I mean, the right wing existed ever, I mean. Uh, and uh, uh, the problem is that the traditional right wing parties and conservative forces, they were the ones that implemented the neoliberal economic model uh, at global level uh, and in all our continents. And the consequences of that uh, mistaken model uh, were, of course, uh, the financial bubble, the financial crisis, uh, the sovereign debt crisis, and all the austerity policies that were implemented after that. I mean, to try to react with the wrong uh, recipe, I will say, uh, to these policies. And. In 2016, uh, we could already see, let's say, the consequences of this wrong recipe, I mean, to cope with uh, uh, with the financial and economic crisis, uh, and where just working people and uh, the poorer people in the society were paying the price of the mistakes done by the capitalistic uh, society, multinational companies, financial speculation, etc. And the solutions uh, that were implemented by the traditional conservatives through austerity uh, created the conditions uh, for the new far right uh, to arise. And this new far right is much more populistic and uh, trying, let's say, to let's say mislead working people and normal people by saying, you know, the traditional guys, the traditional conservatives implemented uh, these wrong policies uh, and the consequences affected you and then the left and the progressives uh, were not able to react properly to all this, Uh, the trade unions were not able to defend you, so we are the ones that are going to to take care of you through our new far-right populistic policies. And uh, I mean, this trick, uh, this kind of game, uh, uh, of course, has gained some space in the political space, I will say, the political landscape, because uh, the people that were angry and frustrated and uh, very badly affected by this, uh, this more than one decade of austerity and cuts and uh, deterioration of the working and living conditions of people, uh, well, well, they were looking for something, some alternative, let's say, from some, some way out, let's say, from this situation and many of them including workers including working people have seen in this far right populistic movements uh, let's say a possible alternative and this has created the conditions for the far right this new no changed far right new type of far right populist uh, populistic far right uh, to arise and to gain a lot of political space unfortunately now uh, when Then these forces got into government in many countries. I mean, Trump uh, in the United States, uh, many uh, regimes and governments in Europe and in other parts of the world. Uh, Well, uh, they didn't implement the policies they promised because they didn't take care at all of working people and uh, and, uh, the poorer uh, areas of the society. On the contrary, they implemented exactly the same neoliberal policies of the old guys, on top of this uh, they also started reducing the democratic rights of people uh, persecuting human rights introducing discrimination and exploitation in the labor market in the society affecting uh, uh, with racial discrimination uh, many communities many minorities uh, uh, fighting against migration against LG- lgbt rights etc etc and on top of this, uh, they also started attacking the trade unions, considering the trade unions uh, one of the last paladines of democratic values uh, in the society and in the labor market. So, I mean, uh, all this shows that uh, these guys were just lying. They were just promising things that they were not going to keep uh, uh, in terms uh, in terms of deliver- deliverables, let's say, and concrete results. And on the contrary, they implemented a really far-right and almost fascist policy. Uh, uh, We have seen this, uh, of course, when they were in the opposition protesting and creating violence in the streets and uh, and in the society, but then we have seen exactly the same implemented also when they got into power, into the governments, I mean, and and bringing forward their very illiberal and uh, almost fascist agenda.
13: Okay, that was uh, an Italian trade unionist talking about how the latest iteration of uh, right-wing politics, the uh, so-called populist conservatives, Mr. Trump and his followers, even more strident and vicious than... Other conservatives, earlier conservatives, quote unquote moderates, who really weren't moderates at all. But maybe they seemed like they were moderates when you compared them to other people. Um, I want to r- repeat our credos. Now, credos are the things we believe in on this show. But they're also ammunition for you when you get into a situation where you're debating someone or you're discussing something with someone. Our credos are just common sense, hard-headed ideas. Pity the nation whose people are sheep and whose shepherds mislead them. Pity the nation whose leaders are liars, whose sages are silent and whose bigots haunt the airwaves, pity the nation. That raises not its voice except to praise conquerors and acclaim the bully as hero and aims to rule the world by force and nature, pity the nation. That knows no other language but its own, no other culture but its own, pity the nation whose breath is mint money and sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the nation, oh pity the people, who allow their rights to erode and their freedoms to be washed away. My country, tears of thee, sweet land of liberty. It's by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Remember those things, okay, when you get into a political discussion. Or you have something that you need to say in response to something else. Here's Robert Reich, former Secretary of Labor, reminding you that the richest 1% own half the stock market. Put those numbers in your head. The richest 1% own half the stock market. And the richest 10% own almost all of it. 92% of it is owned by the richest 10%. So when people brag about the stock market, how it's going up, they're not talking about the economy that 90% of us are living in. Put those numbers in your head. Put those ideas in your head. Child labor? Huh. Okay. Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mines. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns of the Northeast. Why? Because we organized. We broke the back of sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those were not, not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for. They were bled for. They were died for by working people. By people like us. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. That's why I tell these stories. Damn it. No root, no fruit. That one was from Utah Phillips. Here's one, okay? When the penalty for aborting after rape, okay woman gets raped, doesn't want to, or a child gets raped, doesn't want to have the baby, can't have the baby, would rather not have the baby. When the penalty for doing that, getting an abortion, is more severe than the penalty for rape, that's when you know it's a war on women. attack people at their... When they're the most vulnerable, a pregnant woman needs our protection, not our censure. Immigrants, ha <laughs> ha! This is, this is the one immigrant. This is the one. Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if they're undocumented immigrants in this country. Do they take people's jobs? Do they take jobs that white people, white workers would want to do? No. More about that a little later. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. This whole wall, deport the illegals, is just the 1% again. Playing you like a puppet, right? Convincing the working poor to blame a subset of all the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. No, that's not true. You're poor because their boss isn't paying you enough money. (laughs) Instead of realizing that, They're all poor due to the vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Please use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. Mr. Bezos, does Mr. Bezos really work that much harder than you? Um, Umpteen million times harder than you? Oh, you say you're not into politics. Well, I'll tell you, your boss is into politics. Your landlord is into politics. Your insurance company is into politics. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low. Raise your rent and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. Someone said to me the other day, oh, that's great, you're uh, interested in the, in the labor movement. And I thought to myself, somewhat uh, immersively, in the politics, oh, interested in the labor movement? Sir, one-fourth and one-fifth of my entire life, between one-fourth and one-fifth, is going to be spent looking for work, working, getting to and from work, finding work, at the mercy of various bosses who can throw me out whenever they feel like sure I'm interested in it I'll tell you I I would suggest that you get interested in it too finally quote from George Sand the uh, French writer, woman who had to take a, a man's name to get her work published and appreciated. Humanity is outraged in me and with me. We must not dissimulate nor try to forget this indignation, which is one of the most passionate forms of love. George Sand. These are Credos at Labor and Love Radio. Take them, use them, put them in your head. They'll serve you well. Okay. So let's see here. Mmm, Peggy Seeger. This thing
17: you can't be careful try to be good well we cared and we cared as much as we could we always agreed me and my man we said someday we'll try the family plan the first thing we tried was nothing at all because amateur ride and everything's here for we charted my tides, followed my moon, but then someday came a little too soon i got the nine months of blue But he was kinda happy when he heard my news I got the nine months of blues uh, There was him and me and the baby made three But we made up our minds to stay that way With little bitty things made of rubber and such And cause we were friends we decided to go Dutch and when we said I'd do it was a solemn oath and so we did and we did and it pleased us both We still can't figure out what went wrong but that's the first line of the nine-month song I got the nine-month blues Too much to gain too much to lose I get out the dress and the sensible shoes I got the nine-month blues I said this time around I'm gonna cast my stone I'm gonna have a chance to call my life, my own About the SPC, the F.B.A. They said oh, keep that child, don't fling it away the doctor said he had the right to refuse The law says if you want to beat the noose You gotta be rich or near to your grave So away I went again on my nine-month rave I got the nine-month blues Too much to gain, too much to lose And that time around I got to make 2s I got the nine-month blues Tried was the capital P and I L L was what all that made me my head bust open and I nearly went crazy and my moon started rising every 14 days it says I may be sick but I'm safe and free we started making honey like a couple of bees but one May morning I must have forgot dropped me right back to the nine months lot I got the nine months blues too much to gain Too much to lose. Won't my old man be happy when he hears my news? I got the nine months of blues. I got kids everywhere two, three, four, five. I just can't swim without taking the dive. I went for advice. They said to me, They said the next thing to try is the (laughs) IUD.
3: I kept seeing this shoe brand all over
18: TikTok.
17: I got kids everywhere, two, three, four, five. I just can't swim without taking the dive. I went for advice, they says it to me. They said the next thing to try is the IUD. But the small print allows that the loopity loop has a margin of everything you're in the soup. But your kid'll be normal, so don't you fret Even though you leased it for the nine-month letter, I got the nine-month blues Too much to gain, too much to lose I better get my old man to disconnect his fuse I got the nine-month blues I love my man, I love my kids But if I have any more, I'm gonna blow my lid it's not just the forty weeks on my mind. It's also the washing hanging on my line. It could be the worry on the old man's face, or thinking of the future of the female race. It all began with the loving and the laughter, then it so much care. For such a long time after every nine months, of blues too much to gain, too much to lose. Now, don't you think we ought to have the right to choose to sing the twenty-year blues?
9: Tanto así Que yo guardo tu sabor Como tú llevas también Sabor a mí Si negaras mi presencia en tu vivir Bastaría con abrazarte y conversar Tanta vida yo te di Que por fuerzas tienes ya Pero allí a tal como aquí, en la boca llevarás
5: styles Now I'm walking down Broadway wearing nothing but a smile I see all kinds of little men although they're never there I tried to push the A train and poured whiskey in my hair I'm a girl you can't excuse I've got those blow top blues Last night I was five Fall downstairs, I float right up again When someone turned the lights on me It like to drove me blind I woke up in Bellevue But I left my mind behind
13: was Lionel Hampton and his orchestra, great vibes player in the swing music era. Worked with Benny Goodman and others. And Dinah Washington, another immortal blues singer with the blow blues. Before that, we had El Chicano singing what is certainly one of the most beautiful love songs ever, Sabor a Mi. We, we had our love for so long that uh, I still have your taste. I still have your taste on my lips. And you have me on mine. Yeah, you. the gist of it is, yeah, you want to throw me over and, and keep me out of your life it doesn't matter because you'll always carry my taste on your lips. Sabor a mi. And Peggy Seeger with the nine-month blues, and we all know what that's about. The blow-top blues and the nine-month blues. Peggy says, don't you think we ought to have the choice? Well, don't you? Don't you think we should have the choice? Hmm? Let's listen here to uh, Lupe. Lupe Fiasco. I never said that.
19: Terror is a bunch of bullshit. Just a poor excuse for you to use up on your bullets. How much money does it take to really make a full clip? 9/11 Building 7, did they really pull it? Uh a bunch of other cover-ups. Your child's future was the first to go with budget cuts. If you think that hurts, then wait, here comes the uppercut. The school was garbage in the first place. That's on the up and up. Keep you at the bottom, but tease you with the upper crust. You get it, then they move it, so you never keeping up enough. If you turn on TV, all you see is a bunch of what the fucks. Do this, dating so and so, blabbering about such and such. And that ain't Jersey Shore, me, that's the news. And these the same people supposedly telling us the truth. Glenball is a racist, Glenn Beck is a racist, Gaza Strip was getting bombed, Obama didn't say shit, that's why I ain't vote for, next one either, I'm a part of the problem, my problem is I'm peaceful, and I believe in the people,
18: yeah, it's a-
19: My side, cause Look at why you pushed them. Walk with me into the ghetto. This where all the cushion went. Complain about the liquor store. But what you drinking liquor for? Complain about the gloom. But when you pick a broom up, just listen in the pot. Ain't gonna make it stop, a rebel in your doubts, ain't gonna make it out, if you don't become an actor, you'll never be a factor, pills with million side effects, take them when the pains fell, wash them down with diet soda, killing off your brain cells, crooked banks around the world, we're glad to give a loan today, so if you ever miss a payment, they it's can take so your home way. Fear is such a weak emotion, that's why I despise it We scared of almost everything, afraid to even tell the truth So scared of what you think of me, I'm scared of even telling you Sometimes I'm like the only person I feel safe to tell it to I'm locked inside of selling me, I know that there's a gel in you Consider this shit belling out, so take a breath and hell a few My screams is finally getting free, my thoughts it's is finally out
13: That was Lupe Fiasco um, rapping about words I never said. Got to get yourself together if you want to change things. Huh? Words I never said. Right now, I'm going to switch to a show by. A guy named John Oliver, probably most of you are familiar with him. He's one of the late-night hosts who indulges in a lot of really good satire. This one is about union busting. And uh, he runs down the way companies resist different unions.
7: Our main story tonight concerns unions. The institutions that brought us the weekend, the middle class, and in the case of the International Ladies Garment Workers Union, an absolute banger of a song. And before we play this, I have a favourite singer here. See if they're yours too.
3: Remember
18: somewhere,
7: our
19: union so-
7: I mean, they look so happy! It's a video so uplifting, you barely pause to wonder how many of them are dead now. And and by the way, yes, my favorite singer is the and run the house lady. She's she's the only one who gets to have a dramatic entrance. Also, she's got a fabulous mushroom haircut, wide lapels, and the voice of an angel. Every singer in that song is a star, but she is the brightest in the galaxy. (laughs) Now, that ad, if it weren't obvious from every single thing about it, is from the early 1980s. And unfortunately, since then, union membership has declined considerably. Today, just over 10% of American workers belong to a union. That is just half the rate it was in 1983, meaning we're currently living in one of the worst times for organized labor in our country's history. And it's not like the demand isn't there. Nearly half of non-union workers say they would like to be in a union, and a lot of workplaces do seem like a natural fit for one. Take Amazon. You've likely heard the infamous stories of drivers for the company being forced to pee in bottles in order to make quotas. Stories that Amazon initially denied, then, apologised for denying, finally admitting that, yeah, okay, their drivers do sometimes have to piss in bottles. It's like the old adage, "'Tis better to seek forgiveness than permission," unless this is about piss bottles, in which case, take a look at yourself, man, what are you even doing? Mahatma Gandhi. (laughs) And yet, despite that and other reports of abysmal working conditions, earlier this year, an organizing drive for Amazon warehouse workers in Bessemer, Alabama, was voted down by more than two to one, which may seem like a clear-cut case of workers deciding for themselves to reject a union. But the truth is, It's a lot more complicated than that, because if you have never been through a union organizing drive yourself, you might assume that a union vote is a completely free and fair election. That is an illusion fed by executives like Jeff Bezos, America's least inspiring astronaut, (laughs) through statements like this.
10: We don't believe that we need a union to be an intermediary between us and our employees. Um, But of course, at the end of the day, it's always the employee's choice. And And that's how it should be.
7: Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm personally not comforted by hearing one of the richest men on Earth say, it's your choice. No matter the context, all I can hear is, spear or arrow, how would you prefer to be hunted? (laughs) It's your choice. (laughs) But it is worth knowing just how many ways Amazon and many other companies try to influence their employees' choice, because they can exert a huge amount of pressure. So tonight, let's take a look at union busting. What it is? how it works, and how few consequences companies face for doing it. And let's start with a very basic breakdown of how a union drive works. The first thing to know is that any employer may recognize a union based solely on majority support. So they can let employees unionize immediately, but they are not required to do that unless it's been chosen through a secret ballot vote. So, unsurprisingly, that is how most unions end up getting recognized. And the first key step in union busting is preventing things from ever reaching that point. Because for an election to happen at all, 30% of workers must sign a union card expressing an initial interest in union representation. But Amazon, for instance, has instructed its managers to be on high alert for the slightest sign that that might happen, as this leaked internal video shows. If you see warning
16: signs of potential organizing, notify your building HRM and GM site leader immediately. The most obvious signs would include use of words associated with unions or union led movements like living wage or steward.
7: Wow. I mean set aside how completely mask off it is to treat the phrase living wage like the first warning sign of a stroke. You would also think a nearly 2 trillion dollar company like Amazon could spring for better animation than jib jab. But If enough workers do sign cards, the election process is then underway. And in that process, companies have some pretty huge advantages because, obviously, when you're on their premises, they have unfettered access to you while also having the ability to keep union reps out. And many companies take full advantage of that access. Amazon, for instance, inundated workers with anti-union signs all over their workplace, even putting them inside bathroom stalls. They also used workers' contact info to send multiple anti-union text messages to them per day, and held mandatory meetings that seemed designed to spread fear.
12: They had somebody who was like their... the captain of the union busting, who would come down and teach like... What was the official title of the class? They just called it, like, union training. That's it. Which is funny, because it's not union training. It's anti, it's union-busting 101. Right. It's not
7: union training if the explicit goal is to kill the union. It'd be like taking a dog training class from Cruella de Vil. Although, no, (laughs) not the one that's a misunderstood bohemian or whatever. I'm talking about the real Cruella. Yeah, that one, the original (laughs) dogicidal bad bitch. Now. These mandatory propaganda sessions are called captive audience meetings. And most Amazon workers at Bessemer were having to attend at least two per week. And that is not uncommon. Nearly 90% of employers facing union campaigns hold captive audience meetings. Right now, Starbucks is facing a union drive at six of its stores in Buffalo, and it has been doing everything that you've seen so far. Sending anti-union text messages, putting up signs, and holding captive audience meetings. And it may be no coincidence that Amazon's and Starbucks' tactics are pretty similar, because both hired union-busting law firms and consultants to help them with their campaigns, which is not unusual. Union-busting is a whole industry. There are now about 2,000 of these firms, some of which have euphemistic names like the Labour Relations Institute, (laughs) and 75% of companies facing organizing drives hire one, spending nearly $340 million on them per year. And these firms offer different levels of services for companies on a budget. Uh, Some offer mass-produced anti-union videos. Uh, You can even buy this one, featuring a cartoonishly overbearing union organizer shot against a green screen so that you can customize it based on your workplace. They even produce samples of what that could look like. Listen, just sign the card.
3: Once a union gets in, you want to be on the good side. Listen, just sign the card. Once a union gets in, you want to be on the good side. Listen,
7: just sign the card. Once a union gets in, you want to be on the good side. Well, I'll say this, at least they chose outfits that would fit in any workplace, because we all know employees in both corporate offices and warehouses dress like a college football coach whose wife just left him, and an America's Next Top Model contestant before the makeover. <laughs> Although the backdrops could clearly have been more creative there, you've got a green screen the world is your oyster? Why not show evil unionizers mobilizing on a roller coaster? Or on a tropical getaway? Or on the desert planet of Arrakis? If you're gonna force employees to watch your bullshit, at least take them on a cosmic journey with Sandy Softboy Space Jesus. (laughs) But whether it is coming directly from a company or through an outside firm, anti-union campaigns tend to follow a pretty basic playbook. And a go-to tactic is to highlight that unions collect dues. It's a point that Delta Airlines made when its employees were considering unionizing, and they did it in a pretty dickish way. Delta Airlines causing a lot of turbulence on the ground after it told employees to buy video games instead of unionizing. One poster, here it is, says union dues cost around $700 a year and then tells employees to put their money towards a video game system with the latest hits. Ooh, the latest hits, you say? (laughs) Telling your workers to play video games instead of unionizing is incredibly condescending, and doubly so when you consider video game characters are the ultimate example of exploited labor. Think about it. They take orders all day, usually get paid in coins, and not once in 36 years of playing Mario have I ever seen him get to take a bathroom break. Not once! The Mushroom Kingdom has to be absolutely littered with piss bottles at this point. And and you might say, well. Of course a union collects dues. How else are they gonna have the resources to fight for their members? But these consulting firms will insist that unions simply take money and offer nothing in return. Here is how the Labor Relations Institute puts it in one of its union-busting videos. Unions are in trouble.
0: Their membership is shrinking, which means they're in danger of going out of business. They send out high-pressure salespeople to sell a bill of goods that most people believe is either of no real value or is highly overpriced.
7: Okay, so just to be clear, that is a for-profit consulting firm being paid by a for-profit company arguing that unions are only in it for the money. That is pretty fantastic. It's not even the pot calling the kettle black, it's the pot calling the kettle a pot. It's, It's like being called a bad first date by Ted Bundy. Now, LRI consultants have also told employees that joining a union might get them a contract with less wages and less benefits than they currently have. But think about how ridiculous that argument is. If companies genuinely thought unions would negotiate worse terms for their employees, they'd be welcoming them in with open arms. (laughs) Jeff Bezos would have shown up to that interview in a Che Guevara T-shirt if he thought it would help him pay people less. Because the truth here is, unionized workers in the private sector, have wages about 25% higher than their non-union counterparts. That is why companies want to keep unions out. That is why they are willing to pay LRI $3,000 per consultant per day. But the anti-union argument isn't just that they are useless. It's that they'll destroy the beautiful workplace culture that companies have created. Here is how Target framed it in one of their union-busting videos.
0: If the unions did try to organize target team members, they could also try and bring along their way of doing business, an old-fashioned, rigid structure. No one knows exactly what could happen, but there are lots of examples of how rigid grocery store union contracts could hurt our store's ability to serve guests.
12: Here's what we mean.
4: Let's say you're working in stationery, but you're walking through domestics on your way to check on something. A guest stops you and asks for help what would you do? Without even thinking about it, you'd stop and give them any assistance they required. But what if union work rules say you can't work outside of your department? What do you tell the guest? Sorry, I can't help you? That makes you look bad. But more importantly, it means our guest doesn't get immediate attention. And they might not come back.
19: So everyone gets hurt. Everyone except the union.
7: Ooh. I like how they put that last part in black and white, so we know it's bad. We're talking can't open a jar bad. There's got to be a better way. But if I can just give the target executives one quick note, have you ever worked retail? Because if you had, you would know that telling your floor workers they'd be able to tell a customer, fuck off, this isn't my department, is a pretty good argument to vote yes on that union. Honestly, that might be worth it on its own. And, fun side note, those aren't just actors, they're union actors, members of the Screen Actors Guild. In fact, <laughs> that man later actually stressed in an interview that he's very much pro-union, defending his appearance in the video by saying, if someone hires me to play a rapist, does it make me a rapist? <laughs> to which i have to respond, what? <laughs> and, yeah, I, I guess not, but, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> But the most frightening and effective argument companies make against unions isn't just that they'll keep you from helping customers in other departments, it's that they'll cost you your job. Now, thankfully, it is against the law for companies to threaten workers that if they unionize, their workplace will close. However, hilariously, it is legal for them to predict that it'll shut down, which is obviously not a real distinction. When a loan shark threatens to break your legs. That's not meaningfully different from a loan shark predicting that legs will be broken (laughs) as a result of market forces relating to lack of payment. And that prediction loophole can let a lot through. For instance, Columbia Sportswear brought in a consultant who freestyled to a captive meeting of workers about what could happen if they unionize. I've seen the worst
8: of it. It doesn't always end up going so badly, but I mean, I've seen people you know, just completely bankrupted. Marriage is lost, home's lost, Company you know... Company Yeah, sometimes that happens, too. I mean, look at... look at Detroit. I mean, all the... the auto workers there. I mean, uh, tens of thousands of employees
0: lost their jobs overnight. Wow.
7: That is a level of fear-mongering rarely seen outside an abstinence-only sex ed class. <laughs> Don't join a union unless you want to end up pregnant, divorced, homeless, and Detroit. <laughs> And it's not just (laughs) Columbia sportswear. When workers at a tire company called Kumho tried to unionize a few years back, 12 different managers issued threats to close the plant if the union won, which is undeniably scary. And the thing is, it worked. Because even though 80% of Kumho workers had initially signed cards supporting unionization, when the vote happened less than a month later, only 43% voted to organize. And that is the thing. Threats that a workplace will close are effective despite being overwhelmingly bullshit. One study found 51% of companies threatened to close plants if unions won, while just 1% actually closed operations after a union victory. It is the same story again and again and again, and it can be dispiriting for those who know just how much good a union could do for their co-workers. Listen to a woman who tried to organize her Nissan plant talk about how it felt watching her union drive fall apart. When we started this,
19: I, I mean, my whole line was just, I, I, they were just, yes. But when Nissan started bringing in those anti-union videos, I seen my coworkers just the look on their face is Bed, I just can't do it.
7: Yeah, and that is heartbreaking. And frustratingly, even on the rare occasion workers manage to overcome everything that you have seen tonight and win their election, the fight still might not be over. As a study found, in a quarter of all successful union elections, getting a contract can take three years or longer. And while companies are supposed to bargain in good faith, they can legally draw things out to a ridiculous degree. In 2009, some Texas employees at Dish Network voted to unionize. But over a decade later, they still have no contract. And think about how long ago 2009 was. Back then, the kids on Modern Family looked like actual children, (laughs) and at that point, none of them were engaged to the bartender from The Bachelor franchise. In 2009, the question on everyone's lips was, is the guy from Degrassi really rapping now? (laughs) Is he really doing that? And you you really want me to transport you back to that time? I've got two words for you. Susan Boyle. (laughs) Remember how her whole thing was, we didn't expect someone who looked normal could sing good? The point here is, 2009 was a long time ago, and that is how ridiculously long the employees of Dish Network have been waiting for a fair union contract. And that actually brings us to the final problem here, because far too often, The consequences for anti-union actions by companies are minimal to none. For instance, companies aren't supposed to retaliate against workers who unionize, but it happens all the time. Take Cynthia Harper, who worked at a factory that made windshields. After she spoke up in favor of a union, she had a pretty sudden and pretty suspicious change to her job.
19: Ever since they started this job, it's been a two-way job. When they put me out here on it, they decided they wanted it to be a one-person job when we talked to HR, I told them they were targeting me. Put me on a job to set me up, to write me up for performance issues, and fire me.
7: Okay, that's pretty brazen, isn't it? They took a job clearly for two people and made her do it on her own. And if you're gonna set her up for failure, Why stop there? Why not just give her everyone's job? Why not send the entire factory home with a note saying, relax, everyone, Cynthia's got this. (laughs) And the thing is, she was right. Soon after that, she was fired, along with two other pro-union co-workers. But the consequences for a company doing that are just pathetic. A company that wrongfully terminates a worker for supporting a union might be forced to provide back pay, but that on its own is a pretty small price for them to pay if it helps them crush a union. And other punishments are even weaker, like the fact that, and this is true, a company can be ordered to post a notice on the bulletin board in which it admits that it violated the law, but also, and this is crucial, promises not to do it again. (laughs) And come on a company should probably face more consequences for illegally union-busting than this dog who clearly likes to hump (laughs) this cat. And honestly, in both cases, I doubt the sign is gonna change the underlying problematic behavior. (laughs) So it is no wonder that U.S. employers are charged with violating federal law in over 40% of all union election campaigns, because why wouldn't they? Even when those charges are proven, the consequences are laughable. One anti-union consultant has flat-out stated What happens if you violate the law? The probability is you will never get caught. If you do get caught, the worst thing that can happen to you is you get a second election and the employer wins 96% of second elections. And it's not great that union-busting firms are telling companies that, but it's even worse that it's fucking true. So what can we do here? Well, Congress could step in to help rebalance the playing field. The Protecting the Right to Organize Act, or PRO Act, would outlaw captive audience meetings and enable successfully unionized workforces to seek arbitration to settle a first contract, meaning that companies like Dish can't give them the middle finger for decades. Also, and perhaps most importantly, it'd put real financial penalties in place to prevent companies from violating workers' rights without consequence. But until that law is passed, and it should pass, One of the most important things for workers to do is to try not to get disheartened during a campaign, which I know isn't easy. But union-busting is all about killing momentum, splintering unity, and exhausting workers' spirits. So to the extent that it helps, if you're in a workplace that's unionizing right now and you're feeling pressured or personally attacked, remember, the company is almost certainly following a script, and you don't have to play the part that they want you to. And if by some chance, you're a corporate executive who's made it this far into the show, first, (laughs) I'm almost impressed that you're still here. (laughs) But second, please stop wasting money on these anti-union consulting firms. Instead, just use this video that we made for you. It's a lot cheaper, and it says exactly what you really mean. Hello.
20: Thanks for joining us today and watching this mandatory company video.
11: You're here because someone may have approached you about unionizing. Or
20: asked you to sign a union card.
11: Or simply said the words living wage out loud anywhere on company grounds.
20: Look, a union may work for a lot of places, but the thing is, here, we're a family. And you employees are children.
11: So let's listen in on some worker conversations.
20: Something we definitely don't do in real life.
11: Did you know, if
8: we brought on a union, it'd be illegal for us to talk to our bosses anymore. No way. There's
20: two things I love in this world, talking directly to my shift supervisor and helping customers who are in departments
8: I don't work in. Well, bad news, Bob. If the union came in, you couldn't do that. Yeah, if a customer who's outside of your department asks you a question, you're legally required to tell them to go fuck themselves. And if they ask you a follow-up question, you'd have to slap them with an open hand. So everyone gets hurt. Everyone,
11: except the union.
10: Wait, how could the union possibly benefit from (laughs) something?
11: We don't think a union is right for our workplace, but ultimately, the choice is always up to our employees.
20: We promise no one will be fired for wanting to unionize. Although there is a chance you might be fired for poor attendance.
11: A pretty good chance, actually.
20: But you won't be fired explicitly for the union thing. That's how we do it. For the next few weeks, you might notice a few extra posters around the workplace in break rooms, stock rooms, bathrooms, or glued to the back of a co-worker. You already went to the bathroom, Ted. These are just there to tell you things. Like how expensive union dues are. $700? Think of what else you could buy with that. Like a Nintendo Wii with all the latest hits. Or, uh... I don't know, what else do poor people like? Um, Poor people, poor people, poor people. I know I've seen poor people. Uh. The drugs. Buy and eat drugs.
6: Did you know when a union enters a negotiation, our wages could go up or they could go down?
1: Wait, our wages could go up?
6: But they could go down.
1: But realistically, they'll go up. But they could go down. Okay, but without a union, what's stopping them from going down now? But they could go down. Right. Uh,
20: just technically speaking. Hey. I want to talk to you about your attendance. (laughs) Just remember, when it comes to unions, the choice is yours. When it comes to watching videos like this about unions, the choice is very much ours. Did I say stop waving?
13: That was uh, John Oliver's union union routine, where he runs down all the uh, all the ways that companies at great expense. By the way, this stuff is not cheap. That one one price was quoted uh, by what was it? Three thousand dollars per person per day and they would rather pay that than let a union come in and again we go back to the question what is it about unions that employers don't like other question is did Jeff Bezos really work millions of times as hard as you did that's how he's getting paid All these are covered in a new book I'm working on called Street Corner Dialectics and I just want to give one example of what's in the book. Dialectics, of course, are uh, associated with Marxism, but more than that, uh, a method of argument, a method of analyzing different issues by looking at Opposites looking at the dual nature of things. So let's see here, pages, huh? And we'll open recent. Um, Dialectics are a way of arguing or investigating where you look at the different forces that are at work and how they conflict and um, how they they clash and what happens when they clash. Um, let's see, I want to... As an example of... Let's see... Well, anyway, let's listen to some jazz. Mm-hmm. The question in this book is, uh, how do things change, or why do things change? Sometimes the world seems to be a static place. Nothing ever changes, people say, but in reality, things are always changing. For instance, a person who grew up in a certain place returns several years later, and everything has changed. It is a different place. There are new buildings. The streets are are busier than they used to be. Maybe stores that had been there for many years are gone now. Uh, Maybe the price of homes has gone way up or way down, and it's reflected in the way a community looks. To someone else who's lived there all their lives, the changes are more gradual. So one or two things change at a time, but you're used to it. And you watch it all as it changes, but it's not unfamiliar. It's still familiar, and it might seem like nothing much has changed. Things change in response to certain forces or actions taken by people in groups. One action causes another, and things change. For instance, the state of Alabama, the mostly Mexican migrant workers who worked to harvest the watermelons, the berries, and other crops in Alabama suddenly disappeared. Farm owners could not find anyone to harvest the crops when they became ripe. so. They rotted in the fields, costs of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Where had the workers gone? Well, they had left because Alabama had passed a law. The law ordered everyone to get rid of what were called illegal aliens. People from Mexico and other countries who had not entered the U.S. legally. They made such a law because politicians, in order to get elected, had made racist statements, blaming many problems on immigrants. You could even be fined or jailed if you ever helped an illegal person. So the workers left and their families left Alabama, and there was no one left to pick the crops. Hundreds of thousands of dollars' worth of food was wasted. The action of passing the racist laws had caused the workers to react by leaving Alabama. Okay. Time to go. See if we can go out of here with... uh a Marseillaise. Goodbye and good luck, have a good week, this is the B, stay tuned for flat black plastic,
1: Vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat.
2: <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes—all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. And it's personal, as the Enigma Brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex. The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
3: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny?
4: Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl.
3: Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead passengers?
6: I was well, just really cool? leaving the theater. I just a Cadillac
7: a convertible,
2: 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. We're out on the freeway, having a really, really good time. Flat black classic,
18: looking big, and cruising down the freeway. Saturday night kind of too. On the freeway, good feeling. Ex- ex- Can I, I, I see? Ride.
4: Mr. Henry, voice is absolutely right. I
9: am Henry adolescent.
4: And I will cut Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your um uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. Uh, she makes some accusations, Henry. I I find pretty hard to believe. Uh the
14: dude.
2: Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined, while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex, The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon.
11: with side bags and cool stuff. Talk to Under. Go to SkinOnSkins.com. That's dot com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather? Go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather, handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. He'll put the zipper back in.
12: Release on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. The support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year. Enough for 93,000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help.